I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Howdy and welcome to Wikishuffle, the podcast where we press the random article button on Wikipedia, except it's a special bonus episode and so we're not pressing the random article button this week. Instead, we've got a guest come to join us. I'm Philip Sharman. I'm joined by Chris Wallace. Hello. And Ruth Bradley, who's pretending to be Jack this week. Hello. And also at Wikishuffle HQ, we have Amy Walker. Hello. Hello, Amy. Thank you for coming and joining us. You're welcome. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. Amy, tell us a little bit about yourself and where we can find you on the internet. Yeah, I do a bit of writing on the internet. I've got my own blog website, transcribe.blogspot.com. I put up various articles on there, ranging from news articles, film and TV reviews, opinion pieces, but that's the best place to go to sort of get abreast of everything I do. You've selected some articles for us today. What was your motivation? Um, well, I, I found it quite hard to pick out of the whole of Wikipedia, so I started off, I picked a couple of things that I found quite interesting that I already knew about, and then I just started rabbit-holing. Hopefully there's a couple in there that are going to be quite interesting. That's good. I haven't seen any of the articles yet. Neither has Ruth, but Chris, you've seen them. I have the power. <laughs> <laughs> like a modern-day He-Man. Yes. Is that how you see yourself? That's how I identify. I mean, it's how you dress. I know that much. <laughs> yeah, I have all the articles ready. Well, let's do it then. Okay. God damn it, I've just seen the first article. Normally at this point I'd ask why you chose a particular article. <laughs> I know the answer in this case and it's to be mean. So that's good. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, really Thanks for that. Live action role playing. Ah, a hobby of yours. It's not, it's not a hobby of mine. It isn't. I've never done it. What is your wizard name? I don't have a wizard name. You would have a wizard name <laughs> yeah. if you had other friends that you could live-action role-play with. It's just you in the woods with a hat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like this. I feel as though my professionalism is being undermined. Yeah, it is. That's what happens when you took up that staff. <laughs> <laughs> you gave up any professionalism and you decided to be a nice wizard. A live-action role-playing game, brackets LARP, is a... F- <laughs> Is such a laugher. 
Phil's LARPing again. <laughs> a live-action role-playing game, LARP, is a form of role-playing game where the participants physically act out their character's actions. The players pursue goals within a fictional setting represented by the real world while interacting with each other in character. The outcome of player actions may be mediated by game rules or determined by consensus among players. The event arrangers called Game Masters decide the setting and rules to be used and facilitate play. The first LARPs were run in the late 1970s, inspired by tabletop role-playing games and genre fiction. The activity spread internationally during the 1980s and has diversified into a wide range of styles. Play may be very game-like or may be more concerned with dramatic or artistic <laughs> expression. <laughs> Which style do you prefer, Phil? <laughs> I imagine Phil's very much big on stats. And <laughs> I imagine it's very specific. Yeah, not, not, not so much. He likes to convey the stats through an interpretive dance, <laughs> whilst in character as a wizard. Plus 10 endurance. You would need that for interpretive dance, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Events can also be designed to achieve educational or political goals. No, no, I'm putting my foot down there. No political goal has ever been achieved via the medium of LARPing. You don't Is like it... it when they bring politics into your games. Is that what you're saying? Isn't that like, you know, when you see, like, in a war room and they're pushing, like, the boats around with the sticks and they're all wearing uniforms? That's kind of like that. It sort of is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why are all these questions being directed at me <laughs> as if I in some way have the answer to any of these questions when I have never LARPed in my life? Ruth, you've known him for now? years. Has he LARPed? Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Didn't we kind of LARP <laughs> in this office one time? <laughs> You made us play that game where we all had to pretend to be asleep and one of us was a wolf and the other one was like a shepherd or I can't remember what. Are you sure this was a game or do you have to call the police? Maybe I was hypnotised at the time. I don't know. Do you remember? And we yeah, that was just a party game. It, was, it not... was very LARPy. There was, there was there no was costumes. A, well, there was a fictitious setting and you were the game master and you set out the rules and we all had to do what you and said. And you didn't like... pay any attention because you'd had way too much to drink. I remember it happening, though. Production values are sometimes minimal. Your production values are always minimal. <laughs> that, that is true. <laughs> and will come as no surprise to any listener of the podcast. But can involve elaborate venues and costumes. LARPs range in size from small private events lasting a few hours to large public events with thousands of players <laughs> lasting for days. In your mind. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how many wizard hats that would be. It's too many to count. It's at the limit of your imagination. <laughs> <laughs> the fictional genres used vary greatly from realistic, modern or historical settings to fantastic or futuristic eras. You're, you're definitely a Lord of the Rings type. You shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> That's you. And that is why you can never go back to Wixty Fuck. <laughs> I am Aww. very sorry about this, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. He brought it on himself the second he donned that hat. <laughs> the beard doesn't help no. either. Very wizardy. The, the first picture used to illustrate LARPing is, um, I'd say, a steampunk affair. Yeah, it does is look that, very steampunk. In so much as there's a chap carrying it off. Why did you look old... at me when you said steampunk? Can I just make clear I'm no, no way steampunk? Uh, not... that, that haircut you've got going on there. What does a steampunk hairdo? That's a very steampunk beard. Uh, Anti. <laughs> feel a bit deflated. <laughs> Don't let the haters bring you down, Phil. You're the hater. <laughs> you are the you're the chief hater. I'm not. I'm, I'm very proud of Don't you. Don't hate the hater. Hate the game. Hate the you game. made up. <laughs> <laughs> you set the rules. You can change things. Just cast a spell or something. <laughs> 
we're laughing now, but when he reaches level 50, we are in exactly. trouble. <laughs> it's a complete game changer. The participants in a LARP physically portray characters in a fictional setting, improvising their characters' speech and movements somewhat like actors in improvisational theatre. Without the audience, obviously, because who the hell would want to watch that? This is distinct from tabletop role-playing games where character actions are described verbally. LARPs may be played in a public or private area and may last for hours or days. Players may dress as their character and carry appropriate equipment, and the environment is sometimes decorated to resemble the setting. Wait, I just thought, isn't this what secret cinema is? Yes. Shit, I've LARPed the most. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's exactly what secret cinema is. You are a professional LARPer. I, I have you have paid to participate I've done in... Star Wars LARPing. That's yeah. Like, oh, God. I'm the biggest LARPer <laughs> here. Did you, did you Star Wars LARP as? Not not a proper character. I have like my oh, own you, character. One of your I own creation. Remember. No, I got you given. You devised your own character. No, no I got because given. He's looking all right at the minute. <laughs> I got given the character name and the setting, and I had to play within a. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> I didn't well, realize. What was your costume? I was like a galactic explorer, and we got given the Death Star plans, and we had to get them to layer. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that is laughing. That is laughing. You're a LARPer. Yeah. I also did Grand Budapest Hotel LARPing. That was less LARPy. That was less game, gamified. More boozified. More very boozified. I had to climb a mountain. An actual mountain? Well, yeah. There was a there was a guy in lederhosen shouting at me, Old Shimmy! Old Shimmy! <laughs> and at the top there was yodelling and I got absence. <laughs> Just like an actual mountain. But there was no peril in that one. There was no peril. The Star Wars one, there was lots of peril. You're up a mountain. You're not telling me you're drinking absinthe. You drinking absinthe. <laughs> you're telling me that doesn't involve any peril. <laughs> Events are put on for the benefit of the players who take on roles called player characters that the players may create themselves or be given by the game masters. Oh God. You are such a LARPer. <laughs> players sometimes play the same character repeatedly at separate events, progressively developing the character and its relations with other characters and the setting. That's called EastEnders. Adam Woodjat's been LARPing for like 25 years. <laughs> How does he even know who he is anymore? He doesn't know, does he? he, he there's no say. way. He must Adam Woodjat died a long time ago. He's probably more often Ian than he is Adam. Yeah. His poor wife. Adam! <laughs> I won't respond to that name any longer. You know who I am. Is that your Ian Bale impersonation? <laughs> it wasn't good. <laughs> Yeah, but he's, he's the thespian, isn't he? That's what he sounds like at home. It's when Adam Woodyett went out and bought a chip shop in a cafe that his wife really started worrying. Yeah. <laughs> Arrangers called Game Masters determine the rules and setting of a LARP and may also influence an event and act as referees while it is taking place. The GMs may also do the logistical work or there may be other arrangers who handle details such as advertising the event, booking a venue, and financial management. Oh, it is all the things I love, I'll be honest. <laughs> Booking a venue, isn't it just—it's just a field. Well, that, if there's five of you, then yeah, just turn up in your field. If it's a thousand strong, it's and never, you've built a Death Star, if it's secret cinema, you've got yeah. Oh, that's true. You've got yeah. like Alderaan, and then you've got yeah. Let's not All talk the Star Wars places. <laughs> <laughs> so, was your Star Wars character then hiding out at the Grand Budapest Hotel after stealing the Death Star plans? Was it a connected <laughs> scenario? No. That was before. So you've, uh, you've got multiple characters. Phil's just got one old wizard. 
Oh, I'm a serial LARPer. Unlike the game master in a tabletop role-playing game, a LARP game master seldom has an overview of everything that is happening during play because numerous participants may be interacting at once. For this reason, a LARP game master's role is often less concerned with tightly maintaining a narrative or directly entertaining the players and more with arranging the structure of the LARP before play begins and facilitating the players and crew to maintain the fictional environments during play. Sounds like something you'd love to do. I think you'd definitely be a game master if you could. If, if we all decided to go lapping right now, you'd be the one that was in charge. There'd be a lot of hand rubbing and sleeve rolling yeah. up in. We'd all, like, we'd be ready to go and we'd get our swords and stuff. And oh, Phil's got to make we'd be all like messing about yeah. and Phil would be like, no, come on. That's not part of the law. <laughs> Here are the rules. I imagine he'd very quickly come up with spreadsheets of all our stats oh, as God, well. Spreadsheets. He'd like doing that. I, the more we talk about it, the more it's appealing, I'll be honest. <laughs> there'd be like a weaponry list. Maybe there'd be a wall where you could draw around all the weapons so we'd know where to put them back, like a tool shed. Oh. <laughs> this is pretty much built for me, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I can see why I might have this reputation. Mm. But I never have. Yeah, I've also I, I've also never Dungeons and Dragons did. I think that's the verb. But you have Definitely. online, I bet. No. Yeah, you must have dabbled. Some, some sort of... You, no. You, you, little, little dabble. You know those strat... Like, never like Clash of Kings and things like that. They're oh, God, no. Bit. Clash of Kings is awful. That's... But... But the higher... The higher... I don't... I, I quite enjoy an RPG from time to time. Well, that's the same it's, thing. It's Yeah, it kind of is. You just don't have to get out, you know, out of your pants. I think people laughing are wearing pants. I don't know what the law is. <laughs> Amy, I know that you have Dungeons and Dragons did. Yes. Did you yeah. dress up? No, no, I'm not that crazy. <laughs> so, uh, because I don't really understand how it works, but I get a, a vague... You know when someone says, oh, I don't really know how that works, but really he's like, he knows. He knows. <laughs> Are you laughing right now under the table? He's been laughing for years. Underneath those clothes, there's like a burlap crowd. <laughs> burlap. Secretly itching and loving every second. <laughs> a laughing never knew. He's always got his breeches on and When we're talking about it in this way, there's part of it that is appealing. I'm thinking, yeah. There's the never knew the, bit. The, yeah, the never knew bit, especially. <laughs> the, the notion of, of creating this fictional world that everybody's joining in in and it's all cohesive and wonderfully planned and orchestrated and fantastic. I can't help but think that reality is so far removed from that, though, and that within no time flat, it will just descend into people hitting each other's swords. Mm. You know, when you're doing that kind of false, non-choreographed sword fighting where you're just aiming at the other person's sword. It sounds all very much like reenactment as well, doesn't it? Surely reenactments are LARPing. I think they are. Except to, to an extent, yeah. The, but the game master is... A stuffy what professor. <laughs> no, what's the same? All the time. <laughs> Participants, sometimes known as the crew, may help the games master to set up and maintain the environment of the LARP during play by acting as stagehands or playing non-player characters, NPCs, who fill out the setting. In a tabletop role-playing game, a games master usually plays all the non-player characters, whereas in a LARP, each non-player character is typically played by a separate crew member. Just googled is Secret Cinema LARP and it's been nominated in the UK LARP Awards 2016. Oh, 
That that probably means it is. Ruth, you're a larper. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry to hear it. I didn't it. even know. I feel like I was duped into something. <laughs> I didn't quite consent to <laughs> LARP does not have a single point of origin, but was invented independently by groups in North America, Europe, and Australia. Like a convergent evolution. <laughs> Some things are just yeah. so inevitably going to happen <laughs> that nature will find a way. These groups shared an experience with genre fiction or tabletop role-playing games and a desire to physically experience such settings. In addition to tabletop role-playing, LARP is rooted in childhood games of make-believe, play-fighting, costume parties, role-play simulations, comedia dell'arte, improvisational theatre, psychodrama, military simulations and historical reenactment. Most LARPs are intended as games for entertainment. So some aren't. What are the ones that aren't? <laughs> that are intended as games for punishment. Oh, God. It's the community service. What are the ones that are not intended for entertainment? Enjoyable aspects can include the collaborative creation of a story, the attempt to overcome challenges in pursuit of a character's objectives, and a sense of immersion in a fictional setting. LARPs may also include other game-like aspects such as intellectual puzzles and sport-like aspects such as fighting with simulated weapons. Some LARPs stress artistic considerations such as dramatic interaction or challenging subject matter. Avant-garde or art house events have especially experimental approaches and high culture aspirations and are occasionally held in fine art contexts such as festivals or art museums oh, so that'll be like the reenactments and no, no, see, no no that wouldn't be fine art this is something it'll be altogether like some sort more, of interactive um, theatre like yeah. for, but instead of being like for fun it'll be like to put across some sort of message or maybe it'll be like a, a an experience that you'll be immersed in and you don't know, necessarily know mm. you are until afterwards maybe. scary mimes Scary minds, mm. yeah. Miming all up over you. The themes of avant-garde events often include politics, culture, religion, sexuality and the human condition. Oh, who knew that I was doing that when I was laughing? I mean, I don't laugh! <laughs> Such laughs are common in the Nordic countries, but are also present elsewhere. That doesn't surprise me. I'd imagine that the Norse quite enjoy a good laugh, don't they? They're built for it. Mm. They've got, the beards. They're wearing half the costume just as default. <laughs> yep. Racist. Is, is there a xenophobia klaxon I need to sound at that point? You leave the EU and Phil just lets rip. During a LARP, player actions in the real world represent character actions in an imaginary setting. Game rules, physical symbols, and theatrical improvisation are used to bridge differences between the real world and the setting. For example, a rope could signify an imaginary wall. Realistic. <laughs> Realistic-looking weapon props and risky physical activities are sometimes discouraged or forbidden for safety reasons. <laughs> Probably wise. You don't want to get yourself just caught up in the moment and stabbing someone through. You don't want that. <laughs> stabbing them through. While the fictional timeline in a tabletop RPG often progresses in game time, which may be much faster or slower than the time passing for players, LARPs are different in that they usually run in real time, with game time only being used in special circumstances. There is a distinction between when a player is in character, meaning they're actively representing their character, and when the character is out of character, meaning they're being themselves. This is the thing that I struggle with of you, like, just you. <laughs> when are you in character and when are you out of character? Are you talking specifically at Phil? I'm talking at... Because this is a very sort of existential crisis you're is, opening up here. It is, a little bit. Like, it, yeah, it, Adam, would you? <laughs> when are you in? <laughs> when, when are you not in? I think the real Phil... Doesn't uh, even have a beard. <laughs> who knows what happened to that scared little boy? <laughs> <laughs> 
While most LARPs maintain a clear distinction between the real world and fictional setting, pervasive LARPs mingle fiction with modern reality in a fashion similar to alternate reality games. Bystanders who are unaware that a game is taking place may be treated as part of the fictional setting, and in-character materials may be incorporated into the real world. <laughs> he accidentally walked into a LARP. Maybe that's what Goodnight Sweetheart was, and he didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> he just went along with it. Oh, fair enough, I'll let now. <laughs> Speaking of which, the Goodnight Sweetcast podcast is in development mm. and will be coming along soon. <laughs> Yeah, we just got to do it, haven't we? We just got to do it, yeah. <laughs> Stop saying you're both going to do it. It's rude and wrong, and nobody wants to know. <sighs> There's some more LARPing pictures here. A fantasy LARP. To be fair, they've done well. They've they've, they've they're effective in what they've they've achieved here. What the fantasy LARP picture you're talking? <laughs> both of them. No, they haven't. That's what? ridiculous. Look One of them looks like a robotic squirrel. <laughs> yeah. Another one looks like a sort of. Sometimes just got a walk on. No, look how stern the Queen Woman is. Well, I think they've why done is very well. from Mortal Kombat in there <laughs> as well? <laughs> I think they've done very well. Congratulations. I'm going to see if I can find a picture of when I LARPed. I think there's something on uh, Facebook of me LARPing. Oh, God. I would really like to see that. That's definitely LARPing. The costume you've chosen, specifically, it's a lot more like John Candy's character in Spaceballs. <laughs> <than it is. laughs> I didn't even notice. That is so Spaceballs. LARPs can have any genre, although use themes and settings derived from genre fiction. Some LARPs borrow a setting from an established work in another medium, for example, The Lord of the Rings or The World of Darkness. Don't know what The World of Darkness is. Sounds scary. While others use settings based on the real world or designed specifically for the LARP. LARP set in the modern day may explore everyday concerns or special interests such as espionage or military activity. Such LARPs sometimes resemble an alternate reality game, an assassin game or a military simulation using live combat with airsoft, laser tag or paintball markers. LARPs can also be set in historical eras or have semi-historical settings with mythological or fantastical aspects incorporated. Fantasy is one of the most common LARP genres internationally of course it is. and is the genre that the largest events use. These settings typically have magic, fantasy races and limited technology. Horror LARPs are inspired by horror fiction. Popular subgenres include zombie apocalypse and, help me out somebody, Cthulhu. Yeah. Cthulhu. I've seen it written down a lot so I've never had to read it out. Uh, I think I've just realised I've done a little bit of LARPing. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I went to like a horror theme park thing and there was a man that poked me in the bum with a chainsaw. <laughs> And he was like pretending to be scary, but I was rolling a cigarette at the time and I thought, I ain't having any of this, mate. <laughs> so you punched him. <laughs> no, I just, I just walked away. So I have done some minor laughing. So all these zombie experiences, like the zombie runs and like the Walking Dead yeah, experiences, they're, 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 they're laughing, surely. If that counts, then yeah. all right. Yeah, we're all lappers here. No, no I, I'm I still haven't laughed. <laughs> so it turns yeah, out that me and Chris are the only ones that <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. So, see, really, Phil, this wasn't an article poking fun at you. It was... Uh, Turning the tables oh. for it. Yeah, yeah. It'll always be my wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural significance. Ah. So we get, this is where it gets culturally significant now. Mm -hmm. Role-playing may be seen as part of a movement in Western culture towards participatory acts as opposed to traditional spectator arts. Participants in a LARP cast off the role of passive observer and take on new roles that are often outside of their daily life and contrary to their culture. The arrangers of a LARP and the other participants act as co-creators of the game. This collaborative process of creating shared fictional works may be associated with a broader burgeoning geek culture in development 
developed societies that is in turn associated with prolonged education, high uptake of information technology and increased leisure time. That makes sense. You didn't, you can't imagine people in medieval times having time for this sort of nonsense, can you? They probably did. They still played. It's just play, isn't it? I suppose it's just adults having time to play. They were too busy fighting in real wars. We've noticed from the few guests that we've had so far, and we've asked people to bring along their articles, they've tended to skew a little bit conspiratorial, is that fair to say? Yeah. That people like a good conspiracy theory. They do. And nothing has changed here, because our next <laughs> article is... Modern Flat Earth Societies. I don't think that's really a conspiracy, is it? Well, yeah, what you're saying is anybody that is saying that the Earth isn't flat is conspiring to tell a lie. I no, I do think that's what you're saying. You're just saying that they're mistaken. They're idiots. That's not conspiring, is it? Do you think that flat earthers would have the gall to describe anybody else as an idiot? Probably would, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Probably would. Modern flat earth societies are modern societies that are based on the belief that the Earth is flat. I'm, you know, maybe... Shut up, Chris. <laughs> Shut up. I mean, we do love you for your devil's advocacy, huh? but on this instance... Have you seen it? Yes. Have you, though? Yes. Mm. I have. Mm. You, you can that. see it now. Look out and see yeah. the horizon. What do you see? The horizon. Flat. No, I see it's got curvature to it. I can no. see it with my eyes. I look out and conspiracy. I see... Conspiracy. Flat. It's all a conspiracy, isn't it? It is. It is a conspiracy. You're an idiot. <laughs> Wizards bending the tree. <laughs> yeah. I want you to carry on reading because there's a really funny bit in a minute. Is it robotum? Are you going to laugh at me saying the word robotum? I am. No, I haven't read that bit. Okay. It's robotum, you idiots. No, it's not. It's robotum. Where? It's robotum. It's robotum. You're just thinking bottom. That's how you pronounce that surname is pronounced robotum. That's how you spell robotum. Uh, oh. Don't believe that either. No, it's <laughs> lies. <laughs> PC gone mad. <laughs> Modern flat earth <laughs> hypotheses originated with the English writer Samuel Rowbottom. I think it's Rowbottom. Um, I would imagine there are people today that will try and pronounce it Rowbottom, but traditionally that was always Rowbottom. Well, now we've got to the whole point of the argument about flat earth as well. We're just talking against each other and then there's no winners here. <laughs> that is how this podcast feels a lot of the time. <laughs> so Samuel Rowbottom Botham lived from 1816 to 1884. Based on his conclusions derived from the Bedford level experiments, Rowbottom published a 16-page pamphlet, Zetetic Astronomy, which he later expanded to a 430-page book, Earth Not a Globe. That's in the funny bit. Earth... Not a globe. <laughs> <laughs> Earth, not a globe. That doesn't sound like the proper name for a book. Well, I mean, on these. It's not the proper pretense proper book, for a book either. I, I think expanding 16 pages into 430 is pretty, yeah. pretty good for mm. writing a book. Earth, mm. not a globe. Earth, not a globe, in which the Earth... <laughs> in which the Earth is a flat disk centred at the North Pole and bounded along its southern edge by a wall of ice, which is Antarctica, with the sun and moon 3,000 miles above Earth. What, what's behind the wall? Is it like Game of Thrones? Is it White Walkers and stuff? I'd hope so. It's got to have some function, hasn't it? Or not, because it's all bullshit. <laughs> is it like Terry Pratchett, where underneath it's like a tortoise on top of a rabbit on top of it? Why do I know this? I know that as well, yeah. Oh, God, why are we the, the geeky days? Oh, no. <laughs> the tragic ones? This is not what I expected. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw this coming. I had a pretty good idea. <laughs> oh. 
I thought we were the cool ones. He also published a leaflet entitled The Inconsistency of Modern Astronomy and Its Opposition to Scriptures. Oh, it's Jesus-based. No, wait, it was opposition to the scriptures, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And we all know double exclamation two mark. exclamation marks Ooh. means it's very important. It yes. doesn't. Two exclamation <laughs> marks means it's been written by a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> Which argued that the Bible, alongside our senses, supported the idea that the earth was flat and immovable and this essential truth should not be set aside for a system based solely on human conjecture. Well, I would agree with that mm. if we were talking about a system based solely on human conjecture. We're not really talking about that. We're talking about actual observation. So it's saying that we should base it all on our senses and the Bible... Mm-hmm. What? Which one of my senses are telling me it's flat? What the fact that I don't fly off up into space? Well, that's mm. just stupid. What What sense tells you it's flat? Yeah, like, that's just yeah. a really odd you, thing. Is, are they saying because it looks flat? Because it doesn't necessarily. Which it does look, look flat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but then what, what about blind people? Do they not know the world is flat? It does sound pretty flat. Ah. We're looking for logic where none <laughs> doth exist. You said doth. I said that's doth. <laughs> <laughs> said I doth. think you do read the Bible often. <laughs> In 1956, Samuel Shenton, a songwriter by trade, created the International <laughs> Flat Earth Society as a successor to the Universal Zetetic Society and ran it as organising secretary from his home in Dover. Hang on. So at Dover, he's looking out across the sea and he's thinking, it's the end. Well, no, because uh, well, no, what he's experienced growing up in, in Dover is you walk far enough, you fall off the end. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's just extending that logic to the rest of the world. Surely, if he's looking out to sea, why can't you see everything that goes beyond? Because your eyes only have so much power. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, um, OK. OK. Your eyes only have so much yeah. power that you can't, you can't see, see to the end. You, can only, you can't see, like... If everything was completely flat, your eyes stop at a point. It's like, whoa. No, but, but it'd be blurry then, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be just no. sky, which is what you can yeah. see. It falls away because it's on a globe. Given Shenton's interest in alternative science and technology, the emphasis on religious arguments was less than in the predecessor society. So this isn't about religion, this is about facts. When satellite images showed Earth as a sphere, Shenton remarked, it's easy to see how a photograph like that could fool the untrained eye. <laughs> Damn that empirical proof. Mm. The society also claimed that the Apollo moon landings were a hoax, staged by Hollywood, a position that is also held outside of the Flat Earth Society. Yeah, but not by reputable people. Just because no. that happens to coincide with other whack jobs doesn't give it any sort of credence. <laughs> In 1969, Shenton persuaded Ellis Hillman, a polytechnic lecturer, to become president of the Flat Earth Society, but there is little evidence of any activity on his part until after Shenton's death, when he added most of Shenton's library to the archives of the Science Fiction Foundation he helped to establish. <laughs> <laughs> Shenton died in 1971. Charles K. Johnson, inheriting part of Shenton's library from Shenton's wife, established and became president of the International Flat Earth Research Society of America and Covenant of People's Church in California. Snappy. Under his leadership over the next three decades, the Flat Earth Society grew from a few members to a reported 3,500. What? It's America, though. Lots of crazy people. I was thinking that wasn't that many. For a movement, 3,500 people, about half of them probably joined it for a joke or by accident. By accident? <laughs> by accident, yeah. How would that work? They went to church. They were having a mental problem. Next thing they know... They're living in the Flat Earth Society house. 
in a house. Probably. I imagine it to be a bit like the Jesus Army. I accidentally joined the WWF. Not the wrestling, the anime. <laughs> <laughs> Very different to what I imagined yeah. there for a second. <laughs> Just finding yourself you in a ring thinking, what have I done? Yeah. <laughs> you signed up to a chugger. That's not accidental. It was. Chugger? Is that what they're called? Yeah, yeah I didn't know this either. That sounds like somebody yeah. who gives loads of blowjobs. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they, they do. <laughs> How do you think they earn their money? Oh. I'm a chugger by trade. Johnson gave newsletters, flyers, maps and other publications to anyone who asked for them and managed all membership applications together with his wife, Marjorie. His poor wife. His poor wife, he poor should wife, say. Marjorie. I'm tempted. We've never actually altered any of the articles <laughs> on Wikishuffle. I'm very tempted to change that to his poor wife, Marjorie. <laughs> The most famous of these newsletters was Flat Earth News. Still flat. Johnson paid for these publications through annual member dues consisting of six US dollars to ten US dollars over the course of his leadership. For this six to ten dollars, you're getting flat earth news. Flat earth news. be a very important newsletter Phil have you read one yet I haven't That's you're true. right I shouldn't be so yeah. disparaging without weighing up all the evidence properly maybe it also tells you about local news like the church one I quite often read the church one because it has like yoga groups and Car boot sales, maybe that's why. Johnson's <laughs> beliefs were based on the Bible, and he saw scientists as pulling a hoax which would replace religion with science. <laughs> the Flat Earth Society's most recent world model is that humanity lives on a disc with the North Pole at its centre and a 150-foot-high wall of ice at the outer edge. The resulting map resembles the symbol of the United Nations, <gasps> which Johnson used as evidence for his position. <laughs> <laughs> How does he account for the rising and setting of the sun and moon? He just leaves. (laughs) (laughs) He just starts reading random Bible chapters until you shut up. It's just a big projector in the very centre that sort of projects it across the sky and then switches to the moon. The UN have done it all. Flat Earth Society recruited members by speaking against the US government and all its agencies, particularly NASA. Much of the society's literature in its early days focused on interpreting the Bible to mean that the earth is flat although they did try to offer scientific explanations and evidence have you seen some of these headlines australia not down under world is flat and that's that (laughs) september 1980 (laughs) job done earth is not a ball gravity does not exist (laughs) but things still fall down on a flat earth science insults your intelligence the earth has no motion Really? The group rose to three and a half thousand members under <coughs> Charles K. Johnson. Eugenie Scott called them an example of extreme biblical literalist theology. The earth is flat because the Bible says it is flat, regardless of what science tells us. The society was further affected by a fire at the house of Charles K. Johnson, which destroyed all of the records and contacts of members of the society. Marjorie did it. <laughs> <laughs> Johnson's wife, who helped manage the database, sorry, Johnson's poor wife, who helped manage the database, died shortly after. Johnson himself died on March 19th, 2001. In 2004, Daniel Shenton, not related to Samuel Shenton, so apparently if you're called Shenton, you're just predisposed to this type of bullshit, (laughs) resurrected the Flat Earth Society, basing it around a web-based discussion forum. 
This eventually led to the official relaunch of the society in October 2009 and the creation of a new website featuring the world's largest public collection of flat earth literature and a user edited encyclopedia. God, user edited encyclopedia. Who would ever, who would ever trust one of those? <laughs> Moreover, the society began accepting new members for the first time since 2001, with musician Thomas Dolby becoming the first member to join the newly reconvened society. I would like to be the first member. You can wait for it to get a bit of a following first before you... Early adopting is cool. Early adopting... Well, not in this case. (laughs) (laughs) Not in this case. Thomas Dolby's name is now on Wikipedia forever as the first idiot in the 21st century to join the Flat Earth Society. As of July 2014, over 500 people have become members. Shenton has also conducted several interviews since the Society's relaunch, including in the Guardian newspaper. Oh, so he can get in the Guardian. (laughs) Well, not even... And that was episode 81. There's no denying it, that was the 81st episode of Wikishop. Oh, it's been a long time, isn't it? <laughs> the, the process of recording that, I 81 agree. episodes is a long, long time. 81 episodes It's not a measurement of time, but I'm with you. We have been recording for a long while. It is if you listen to all 81 back to back. Yeah. Yeah, nobody do that. If you're listening to this and thinking, oh, that was quite fun, I'll listen to some more. Don't listen to them all back to back. Oh, be like trying to watch the whole of Love Island in one week. (laughs) (laughs) Only with a lot less sex. Clarify that. No sex whatsoever. Not that you can hear. Mm, Indeed. (laughs) Chris, are you saying that there is sex? What? I don't know what what I'm saying. None of us do. None of us Hmm. do. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Ruth. And Chris, and thank you especially to Amy for choosing the articles. Tell us once again where we can find more about you and your stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at amazing underscore Amy underscore W. And at my blog, which is transcribe.blogspot.com. And you can find us at wikishuffle.co.uk, on the Twitters at wikishufflepod, or on Facebook just as wikishuffle. And you can also send us a postcard. And you will become an associate member by sending us a postcard. Yeah. Official associate member. <laughs> on that online register. On our online register. Oh, no, don't make it sound like that. We're not making a list. Um, by sending a postcard to Wikishuffle HQ, 1B Headlands, Kettering NN157ER. Amy will be joining us again next week for a second bonus episode. And we've got some more articles that she's chosen. And between now and then, there'll be another episode with Jack back. Potentially. Boo. Boo. Boo indeed. (laughs) That's the correct response. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 You shall not pass. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.